summer rolls on here on the Sunday card is another episode of Divisional Positional Rankings here as we are inching closer, step by step, brick by brick, sunrise by sunset, as we get closer to fall and closer to football. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silverth, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone. We've been like ships in the night passing, and he's back in the saddle in the producer chair. Boys, NFC South show, really like we could say SEC show because the SEC is in college football is almost as ex- probably way more exciting than this division. It is a tough one, but somebody's got to win it, Matt. Somebody's got to win it. Somebody's got to talk about it. We can't just do seven divisional breakdowns. We've got to do all eight, but this is a little bit of a bump in the road for sure. Uh, not, not only is the SEC more interesting, a lot of SEC players in this division. Yes. So. We're, we're, we're going to make the best out of this one, but uh, it, pretty cut and dry as far as this list goes. Super excited to to kind of get through this one because, you know, as we've gone through it, this is has like the most potential for you to look at and say, okay, pick your poison on these teams. The quarterbacks are very up and down. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of variance in this division. I would say that, there are there are intriguing players, but they're all outside of the quarterback position. Oh, for sure. I mean, definitely one of the, the worst quarterback rooms. And again, yeah, as far as, you know, if we want to take the gambling angle of this, definitely the best one to take some long shots. You know, no clear-cut favorite in this, I don't really think. We'll look at some of the odds as soon as we go through some of these positions. At the end of the show, we'll look at maybe some of these division winners. I know we, we gave it out a little bit earlier in the year, but a lot of stuff has changed since we, we did those. So definitely good enough. Take some shots in this division if you want to look at some long shots here, for sure. No question about it. July 4th is over, thank God. Now we are rolling downhill, fellas. We are getting so close. Lewis, I know you can smell smell that pigskin, smell Aaron Rodgers just humming it from across the yard. It's coming. I cannot wait. You know, they uh, Victor Wembenyama is done for summer league, so let's go football <laughs> all the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's I miss time. it. Did he, did he get hurt or did he shut down? Oh, they shut yeah, him. Yeah, like 27 and 12. Oh, listen, you know okay. how the Spurs roll. You know how the Spurs roll, all right? That's it. They're going to sit everybody when they're 100% healthy. That, let's go. Let's go. We're doing it. Slow yeah, slow rolling. Yeah. And I'm not that's watching how, baseball. That's how the Spurs do it. You can't no. get to watch baseball or golf or tennis, all right? And enough is enough. <laughs> or not a Wimbledon guy. Not Take, a Wimbledon no. guy. Take no. it easy. Let's do, uh, before we go on to anything else, let's do our blind player resumes, the stats that will show us that there are some players out there that are pretty good that nobody's talking about. We've done the AFC East with Ramondre Stevenson and Aaron Jones. We did the NFC East with Curtis Samuel and Debo Samuel. The AFC North, Maddie got very frustrated with my Micah Parsons, Alex Smith comparison. Uh, The NFC North, Amon Ross St. Brown and C.D. Lamb. That was a pretty good one. And, Lewis, last week, unbelievable one with Kyle Pitts and Chig Akonkwo. Get to know the name at tight end. I don't want to name you. Giving out, giving out deep fantasy sleepers and sleeper and fantasy busts. Might have some good ones in those 15th, 16th rounds you picked there. We're going to do two today because, as you mentioned, Matt, this division stinks. So I thought it would be more fun to give you a little easy one, maybe a two-for-one special, you know, uh, that we're serving up on the menu today. So you want the easy one first or the hard one first? 
Let's ease me into it. Ease me ease into it. it. Okay, all right. Let's go for it. Player A is the top player at the position. Player B is a player inside the division. Here we go. Player A played 15 games last year, had 77 catches on 127 targets, 1,124 yards. And for some reason, I left his touchdowns off of this, but I'm almost positive that he had four touchdowns last year and had 14.6 yards per carry. Sorry, yards per catch. Excuse me. Player B had 72 receptions on 119 targets. He had 1,042 yards. And again, left his touchdowns off, but I'm almost positive he had four touchdowns as well and had 14.5 yards per catch. Now, player A played 85% of the snaps on offense, while player B just played 66% of the snaps on offense. Who is player A and who is player B? A good feeling with player B is I want to try and guess player A, though, first. Okay. It's player A... T. Higgins? Player A is not T. Higgins, and I want to let you know I was wrong on player A. Player A had six touchdowns last season. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to help me. Um, let me see. Other wide receivers. Is player B Chris Olave? Player B is Chris Olave. Huge season. Had four touchdowns last season as I double-check it. He did. So he had, if you look at the numbers, compared to player A, Chris Olave had 72 catches compared to 77 catches, 1,042 yards compared to 1,124 yards, four touchdowns compared to six touchdowns, but they both roughly had 14 and a half yards per catch. Just scrolling back in the weeks, it, it not not Michael Pittman Jr. for no, no, he's not. Yeah, I wouldn't put Michael Pittman at the top. Bay, man. You wouldn't consider him. <laughs> you would not consider him a top a top performer. That's fair enough. Um, let's Another see, tier already- up there. Yeah, you already hit me. Very consistent guy. He's been around for a while. You already hit me with a CD Lamb once, so it's not going to be him. Uh, Scary Terry? Terry McLaurin? I almost almost went with him, but I decided against it because I thought this guy, maybe not comparable in terms of how they are as receivers, but the numbers are very comparable. Hmm. All right, one more guess. That's it. One more guess. Probably was Tampa Bay. No, it's got to be outside of the division. No, it doesn't have to. Yeah. Oh, it's just the top yeah. player at the position. Yeah. yeah. Chris Godwin. No. And Mike Evans. Uh, Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. There's yeah. no see, I, I would have assumed he had way more touchdowns. Yeah, Mike I Evans. I would assume he had way touchdowns. more than six. Yep. Yeah. Well he killed well, you gotta remember how bad that offense was last year. All right. That was that was you're getting tricky with me again. You're getting tricky with me again. I, I don't gotcha know with why, I don't know if I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you didn't like that one, you're not gonna like this one. <laughs> Okay, well, hit in. All right. Oh, or defense is coming. <laughs> no, 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 no defense. Yeah, I, I'm at least being bold to you. Maybe next week I'll do defense again. Uh, player A played in 14 games, had 58 catches on 80 targets, 800. I'm sorry, 628 yards and four touchdowns, averaging 10.8 yards per catch. He also played 84 percent of the snaps. Player B, this is a really hard one, played in 16 games and started 12, was in a position by committee, 42 receptions on 65 targets, 
508 yards and seven touchdowns, 12.1 yards per catch, playing just 65% of the snaps. Who is player A and who is player B? So we're talking tight ends, huh? Yeah. Talking tight ends. Player B, it's always just easier. I got a smaller pool to pick from from the other ones. Player B's Hayden Hurst. Incorrect. He's going through those depth charts. Is it either? I don't know how much this guy played last year. It's either Juwan Johnson or Foster Moreau, potentially. One of those guys. Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson, 65 targets, 42 catches, 508 yards, seven touchdowns, and 12 yards a catch, playing just 65% of the snaps. How much? How many games did player A? It's not Darren Waller. He only played like player A played games. fourteen games. Okay, he only played like eight games. Waller, um, man, who he's would a you very consider? athletic tight end, and I would consider him a top ten at the position. <sighs> killing me here, You're killing me. Oh, um, um, Hawkinson. No, not that. I wouldn't consider him that good. But yeah, I would definitely consider him a top ten guy. Step below. Hmm. Tier tier two probably of the of the guys. One more. Uh, oh, uh, nah, this doesn't fit. Athletic Friar Booth. <laughs> no, not quite. Close is it, though. Is it in Joku? And Joku, it is. Uh, okay. See, yeah, he's super. Athletic. I, I, last year was his first good year. I don't know if I'd consider top ten. He's very athletic. He's super athletic. He's got really good. He gets a lot of targets. Uh, Unfortunately, with Elijah Moore coming over, he may not play as many slot target uh, snaps as he did last year. He had a lot of snaps out of the slot. Very much like an Evan Ingram. Very much. Evan Ingram had his big year, and Joku is very similar to that. So it was just interesting. I'm like, Jawan Johnson had seven touchdowns? That was incredible. Yeah. You know, he he had a fantastic year. Put Jawan Johnson and Chiga Conklo in that 14th, 15th round there. Put him in the tickler file. All right. I like that. A little sleeper for you there. All right. Let's get to the big stuff. We rank the quarterbacks. They're right back. He's losing it. He's like, you're digging, aren't you? Good. He's, you're making it harder. You're making it harder. I'm trying to. I try to make it at least a little harder. We rank the quarterbacks, the running backs, the pass catchers, the defenses, and the coaches every single division, every single week. Let's get to it. The big boys, the quarterbacks. This is very underwhelming, Matt. Tough. Very tough. We've got between journeymen, new young quarterbacks. You know, we got we got obviously we got the first overall pick in this one. And then we've got a couple of other picks from previous years that haven't really done anything let's just get to my list please uh number four the tampa bay buccaneers their trio of misfits uh number three is the tampa or sorry the atlanta falcons number two the carolina panthers number one basically by default is the new orleans saints yeah, I mean, we're right there with you. I mean, I think that's not – it's not too difficult. Like, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it literally is a figure it out thing. It's like, what are we doing uh, in this division? I, I almost thought about putting the Bryce Young Carolina Panthers just for the potential at number one. But because Carr 
at least. Did you know that Derek Carr was a Pro Bowler last year? I, I cannot believe that. I, I assume he was an alternate. I was just going to say, the Pro Bowl does not mean anything anymore because everybody who gets voted in just doesn't want to go. They'd rather do something else with their week off. And then it gets, like, uh, Tyler Huntley was a Pro Bowler last yeah. year, was he not? Yeah. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't. He had 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns to 14 picks, a 60% completion percentage, and seven yards of throw. Just not good. Not good stuff. In that offense, that should have been way better. On a team that, well, what, seven and nine or seven and seven ten? ten? Yeah, I mean, they were not good. I will say this is the one division that you need to kind of group the room together. And that's where I go with Jameis Winston being his backup, uh, which you have to feel good about. Uh, Jake Hayner, with a lot of hype uh, as a rookie coming out of Fresno State, will be there as well. But I think Bryce Young has, without question, you know, I've said it, you know, since last year, the end of the last year's college football season, I thought that he was one of the best prospects I've seen. The only reason people are treating him the way he is is because he's 5'10". So um, even with that, though, they brought in Andy Dalton as a backup. So I feel pretty comfortable like that. You know, at least if there was a time and a bridge that they needed to go, they still have Matt Corral on the roster. Another you know? short king. Another short king in crazy Lane Kiffin's offense. So that that should be fun if he ever gets in the game. Um, but you look at the other two teams and you're like, my God. I mean, what are we doing over here? Especially the Bucks. I mean, that is that is a clown show. That is the that is like the three stooges. I, I was just gonna I was gonna bring it as an honorable mention to the room of Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, and John Wolford. I mean I, like still love Baker Mayfield as like a as like a football personality. Like right, we all like Baker as far as like his sideline, you know, bashing his head into guys wearing helmets and things like that, and just kind of being a being a team player. But his quarterbacking has has fallen drastically, and then the Falcons have have you know we got to see what Desmond Ritter is made of, and then we've got the Heineke the Heineke roller coaster. God forbid if we need to. You know, pull in case of emergency. We got Taylor Heineke <laughs> there to come and, and just try and make some plays. Don't worry, Taylor Heineke is going to have one game where he oh, just sure. beats one, one team that they have no business beating. Like he'll come in and do that. That's what all he's going to do for the whole season. Baker, ten games last year, he started was two and eight as a starter last year. Worst mark of anybody. Um, much better with the Rams though. Played a lot better, and I can imagine why when you're going from the Matt Rule Panthers to Sean McVay. So, um, interestingly enough, Baker and John Wolford have both played in the playoff games under Sean McVay. So, that's interesting. And nobody knows anything about Kyle Trask at all, except that he's a human, he's a huge human being. So, it's just very, very strange. And if they can get anything out of Baker, part of me wants to say, because the rest of the roster ain't bad, it's just... You have no idea what you're getting out of Baker. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really going to come down to, but again, Baker, it feels like it's up for grabs in that quarterback room. It really, it's not definitely not his job, like bar none. No, 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 it's not. What, what, what are we doing with Desmond Ritter though? What are the Falcons doing? You are, you're the Atlanta Falcons expert here. What are they doing? Got to roll them out. I mean, we, we don't even have Marcus Mar Mariota there anymore. I mean, like I said, it's going to be, it'll be the Heineke show if not, but I mean, you got to think, unless it's like absolute turmoil, he's going to get at least the first six to eight starts. Just to, we got to get to see what this guy, what did he end up playing 
three, four games last year at the very four, end of the year. Four games, yeah. Four. So, I mean, they got to figure it out, but he did not do much of anything in his games that he played last year. I believe he had one stat line where he completed 26 passes for 97 yards yeah. in one of his games, which is wild. I don't even know how you do that. That's, like, really incredible. Throwing um, to Cordero Patterson behind the line of scrimmage. Behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it's so true. Let's go to running backs. Matt, name the two leading touchdown rushers in this division last year. Jamal Williams. Okay, well, I didn't count that. I meant last year. Uh, that All right. Fair enough. Did he lead the league last year? Yeah, but he was on the Lions. He was on the Lions. He was on the Lions. I meant in this division. Cordero Patterson and Chuba Hubbard. Cordero Patterson is one. And Taysom Hill is the other. Oh, he's a quarterback, tight end, elite. No, weapon. he's not. He had like six catches last year or something ridiculous. He, was, he had almost all of his yards rushing. He is a positionless player. Positionless. Where do you put him? Pass catchers or running backs? I actually did not factor him in any of my rankings now that you say him. I, I honestly didn't. I, I he had don't. a lot of rushing yards last year. I know. Well, because he didn't he play two or three games? I remember the, the one game he no. started. He or Didn't he start I, a couple games? I, I have him up here right now in his stats. And he had 575 rushing yards. He played in 16 games and had seven touchdowns. How weird is that? Oh, no. It was one game. He, he didn't start a quarterback. He had three touchdowns in the game, though. Yes. Yes. That's what it was. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, no, he's he was their he's their entire red zone offense. They were getting to the red zone, and it was just put him in. Very, very strange, very strange. But if I have to put this list together, I went Tampa four, Carolina three, New Orleans at two, and I had the Atlanta Falcons at number one. I think the Atlanta Falcons with their three headed monster and Bijan Algier and C Flash P. I'm about that. Yeah. Now, I think we kind of said this off camera last week or when we were talking, getting ready for the show. Uh, factoring the Saints at three, are we factoring in a Camara suspension coming? I did, but I put them at two. I mean, I still think oh, that yeah. I have them at three. That's the only difference I have is Panthers and Saints okay. flipped for me because I just don't know how long the Camara. So I have Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons looking at. It's probably just going to be Jamal Williams for anywhere from six to eight to ten weeks. Agreed. I would. Well, I think it's probably likely to be six games from what I've heard, yeah. but it could be longer. Uh, I factored in um, Alvin Kamara suspension, but I, I do think in at the end of the day, the Saints still have a deeper running back room. I think Miles Sanders had an excellent year, but again, if we go back a year before that. Like, he really didn't do much in that offense. Just, I know it was the first year of that offense. But last year, he was outstanding. He had, I think, 13 rushing touchdowns last year. He was very, very good. Um, but there's really only, you know, Chuba Hubbard. I'm not sure necessarily how good he actually is yet. I, I'm still kind of waiting and seeing on him. With the, the, the Saints, I know Jamal Williams is there. And Kendra Miller, I know the guy they drafted, is a decent running back. I also factored Taysom Hill into this. But they are either really old or really young. Like, and, and to be honest with you, Jamal Williams, I see that as a complete outlier year from last year. I, I really do. He got a lot of carries, um, especially when Swift went down. 
He is a older running back. These guys are all going into year seven, eight, which is typically when we see running backs start to fall off pretty dramatically. Other than that, you got Kendra Miller, the kid you drafted at TCU. He's been gobbled up in all the dynasty leagues I've, I've been in. And then Eno Benjamin got some good time last year with Arizona. I think he'll he'll probably be a guy that'll factor in uh, a little bit while Kamara is suspended. But Kamara is still Kamara. Kamara still has a lot of talent left in him. I don't know if he's the same player he was, but if he can have a equal to what Zeke did last year type of uh, uh, a, uh, a season, I, I think that'll suffice for them. Yeah, no. I, so yeah, me not factoring taste and that also I could see I can make you know the case for putting the Saints up to to two in that case. Uh, I, I mean, I thought Hubbard had a good time, especially a good season when they traded Christian McCaffrey and he was the first. You know, he picked that slack up for a little bit. Then I think he had an injury himself, and that's when Deontay Foreman, who we mentioned in past episodes, uh, ha- started having his breakout year. And Hubbard didn't really get the ball back once he once he came in because Foreman really took over that backfield. But um, yeah, just really like. The Falcons have transformed their offense. I mean, yes. it's been happening the past couple of years with Arthur Smith coming in, obviously trying to run like a like a Derrick Henry kind of thing, the emergence of Cordero Patterson. But now, I mean, and they draft the guy last year in Tyler Algier, who had who had a decent year, you know, second half once he got comfortable in the offense, did pretty decent. Didn't get a ton of work, obviously, because Patterson was still there. But now they take a guy who it just it seems like it's just as much of a home run as like a like a Trevor Lawrence type uh, in Bijan Robinson as wow. far as his position. You know, we said it. If this was ten years ago, Bijan would have been a top three pick, maybe the easiest number one overall pick. You know, with with how offenses were run in the NFL 10, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so I think he is a bona fide. He's a rookie. We haven't seen him play a game, but we know he's going to be a success in the NFL. I mean, just yeah. his running style and how good he is. So they are such a rushing offense. Which again, just dating back to the Falcons of old, the Matt Ryan years and the twenty to three. Like we just think of like a gunslinging team that plays no defense and can't really run the ball at all. Like always just had cycling running backs in and out. And now that is their MO. So they just want to run the ball, even with a rushing quarterback who might play a little bit of either zone, uh, you know, zone read or, or, or anything that they might do with Desmond Ritter. I think the, the attractive thing is that Bijan will be able to be uh, both Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson in one. Right, you know, like he'll he, Tyler Algier has really good cutting ability, but he's a downhill runner. He does not catch the ball that much. We know how good Cordero Patterson is in space, but Bijan is one of these electric players. That the fact that he was a top ten pick at all was in this day and age, it's really changing like the dynamic of of how the NFL is seeing specific running backs. It'll change the entire you know landscape of how. Uh, you know, we pick running backs. They have to be able to catch the football, and he absolutely can do that. So that's kind of why I had them at number one. I think they have the most upside with you know, those two young guys and then Patterson backing him up. Uh, with the Bucks, um, I know they're last, and they deserve to be, but I just want to make a case and point. I think there's a great chance that you could see a player like Rashad White really break out next year. Because if we look at his stats from a year ago – he was in a completely crowded backfield, but the man had 50 catches last year. He had 50 catches. And I know he didn't have it for a lot of yards per carry, but this is his backfield now. I mean, I do not see Chase Edmonds challenging him. Uh, I really think they liked him a lot, and I think they'll rely on him. If they, they still offensive line is, has a couple of pieces. They still got Worfs. They still got Jensen. They might rely on a lot of the rushing game. 
uh, at least early on in the season to try to win some games, I could see Rashad White really being a big factor this year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought I wanted to mention the same thing that he, I mean, he's an early fantasy, you know, kind of looking at for the season. He is a big pick as far as just a pure volume guy. I mean, he's gonna get the work in this backfield, like you said. So um, on a team that, yes, they might be playing with the lead a lot, therefore not running with the ball a lot. They also don't have a quarterback they can trust, as we just you know cited to you. So even in the early half of games, I think their their MO is going to be to try and get the ball moving, um, hopefully create some play action pass to open up some of their better pass catchers. Um, but yeah, Rashad White, I think, is definitely ready for a big year just for his volume, just yes. for his volume, I think, in fantasy. 100% agree. They needed somebody to get a big year down there in Tampa to do anything. Uh, pass catchers. Here we go. There's a lot here. And you can go a lot of which ways. I think we'll probably have some disagreement here. Um, really? Just, yeah, I think we will. I think we will because I, I just sounds like you did something weird, though. I did. I guess sounds I did like you something. did something funky because I thought I, this list was pretty straight. Okay, I want to see. I want to see if it's straightforward or if, if it's or if it's kind of out of left field. So let's hear it. Uh, Falcons at four, Saints three, Panthers two, and the Bucks at one. Not. What I thought we were going to disagree on, uh, the only thing that I flipped around, I had the Saints at two and the Panthers at three. That's it. Okay. I don't uh, talk – again, another Saints player to give us a question mark. I, I just have an annotation next to Mike Thomas and just say, like, you know, they have Chris Olave, they have Juwan Johnson, they have Mike Thomas. Kind of. Like, they, they kind of kind have of. Mike Thomas. Like, yeah. who knows if Slampoy is going to play this year? Who knows if his foot's going to be injured for third year in a row? Like, so I just don't know how to count Michael Thomas towards the Saints. So that's definitely pushed them down to three. I, I'm i sure your eye-opening stats about Juwan Johnson definitely could have bumped up the Panthers a little bit. And I'm sitting here thinking that it was Hayden Hurst. So maybe that's why I'm, I'm maybe a little off there as having this, the, the Panthers higher. But I, I think it's pretty clear cut the Bucks are at number one, right? I mean, they've still got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. Yes. Like, solid. Tight end, not so much. They've lost their their tight ends, which they had past three years, they had just a bundle of tight ends. They just had like a ton. Um, they moved on from that. And then the Panthers, like we've talked about how we like Bryce Young this year. They have weapons for him. I mean, Terrace Marshall Jr. is a good player, had a decent was last year his second year, or was last that year his? was his second year, okay. and he was definitely I, th- I believe he had 18 yards of catch. So he, he was a, a more of a home run, big play hitter, but I think he missed some time. Yeah, for sure. I know he definitely didn't start or play the majority of snaps in, in a lot of the games. They bring in Adam Thielen, they bring in DJ Chark, and they bring in Hayden Hurst. Like it's an overhaul for this offense, not to mention them bringing in Miles Sanders. I mean, they really retooled their weapons, uh, not only through the draft, but then through free agency for the, their, their number one quarterback they picked. Listen to that. Listen to that list, though. Terrence Marshall, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, LaVisca Chenault, Hayden Hurst. Does that do anything for you? Like, are, are any of those guys, you, you line up against those guys and you say, we got to worry about this guy? They, it just doesn't for me. You've got options, though. I think you've got options. Like, DJ Chark I fits, into, fits into this offense the same way he did with, with Jacksonville last year. Like, Jacksonville didn't feel... You know, we had Chris Kirk, Christian Kirk stepping in for like his first time in a number one role. We didn't know how that was going to go. DJ Chark hadn't done anything. Or no, sorry, he was on the the, the Lions last year. Not the, not the. Am I confusing that? He was Which one? DJ Chark. DJ Chark was on the Lions last year, correct? Uh I believe so. I can double check. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking back. He to bounces the, the all Jaguars over the league. Of old. 
but even so kind of, kind of the same way in that, as far as like they had Amon Ross St. Brown um, and then DJ Chark hadn't done anything in a couple of years and had a decent bounce back. So I think, I don't know, go ahead and make your case for the saints over them. Obviously Chris Olave is on a trajectory to be a top 10 wide receiver in this league. I think he is a phenomenal route runner. Well, that's, that's, you know, when you actually compare the stats of all of these players, when you go to Chris Olave, he's an out, he's the best of this New Orleans Carolina group. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. We don't know about guard Mike or can't guard Mike or wherever he is now. But uh the but you know, I will say that Rashid Shaheed, Traquan Smith, those players statistically are on the level with guys like DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. They're very much just, or Terrence Marshall, excuse me. They're both, you know, Rashid Jaheed is a downfield threat, very much like Terrence Marshall. Traquan Smith is a veteran pass catcher, very much like DJ Chark. Like, they're not really different. Adam Thielen is 32, 33 years old now. You know, what left does he have in the tank? I love LaVisca Chenault, not just because of his name, but just because he just catches everything in traffic. And he's such a weird gadget kind of player. I just love him. Um, I actually do love the Carolina Panthers players, you know, in terms of like who they have listed. But the Saints have Chris Olave. All the rest of the receivers are pretty comparable to the Panthers. And Jawan Johnson and Hayden Hurst uh, are pretty comparable players as well. So if you're pretty much the same everywhere, but one team has this unbelievable talent, I kind of have to give it up to them. I want to mention one rookie that I think is amazing, that I think is going to be, has Jamar Chase-level skills, I will say that, and that is Jonathan Mango out of Ole Miss. He will be getting a ton of volume this year. That kid is 6'2", 225 out of Ole Miss. He's another one of these Ole Miss kids. Like, he's going to be a problem later on. I am telling you, I, I know a lot of people that are very excited about him. And I was excited about him before the draft. I'm very happy he ended up with Frank Reich in Carolina. I think that's a great place for him. So that's my argument to where the Saints would be above. And I agree with you with the Bucks and obviously the Falcons as well. Who uh, We could talk about them until the cows come home, to be honest with you. I mean, you've got Drake London and Kyle Pitts, just utter underperformers as far as their draft value, you know, in the actual NFL draft. And then behind that, you've got Scotty Miller and Matt Collins. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Scott now. He's I Scott did notice Miller. that I haven't written down as Scott, but I was like, oh, it's Scotty Miller. Scott, yeah, but so. he's grown up. He's got he's, a hair on his chin. He's an adult now. He is an adult. He's not ordering, he's not ordering chicken tenders and, and waffle fries. <laughs> kids, man. So, good. You big shout out to Scott. Uh, we have to make sure to make keep that tight for the rest of the year that he is Scott uh, Miller. Um, Scott Miller. But yeah, Miller. I mean, yeah. they are just the underwhelming, underperforming group. Of, of this division seriously and a lot of the nfl is there a more underwhelming and overrated player than kyle pitts not I mean, last year i mean but even the year before the guy goes out has a thousand yards right and everybody's like oh my gosh this guy's gonna be unbelievable it's 68 catches on 110 targets he had a 60 percent catch rate the guy had one count him one touchdown he has three career touchdowns in two years and he was the fourth pick in the draft I mean, what are we doing here? And, oh, we're going to back him up with Janu Smith. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I mean, 
it's just like kind of mind-boggling to me that that some people would still not be able to give up on on Kyle Pitts. And not only that, but the quarterback that's throwing the ball and the offense that they're running, I guarantee you, I'll make a bet right now, B. John Robinson has more targets and more catches than Kyle Pitts. Guaranteed. That might be a bit crazy. We're going to readdress that. That's I'm not. I'm, I'm putting it in right now. They are going to run through their running backs. That's how their offense is set up. He is going to have to have a exceptional amount of touches. If that's going to happen. That is going to be an exceptional amount, like four four twenty five plus. Be mine, Bijan. Come on. Hey, I am very excited to see what Bijan Robinson does if he can play a full healthy season in the NFL. Very exciting. Very, very exciting player. Let's go to defense. Matt, I got to tell you, there are some good defensive players here, but there's a lot of leaks. There's a lot of leaks. It's a great way to put it. We got to plug some holes. Yes, there's a lot of leaks. There's not a lot of depth. There's some good players, but some – I was shocked at how I got to this order. I was like, I hate this order because I don't like – I just hate this division. I just don't want – I don't know if I can watch this division. I'm not sure. Not with this defense. Let's hear it. All right. Carolina, number four. New Orleans, number three. Tampa Bay, number two. And the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons I had – yeah. And please, finger wag at me. Tell me I'm wrong so I can switch it. Okay. Like, I had the Atlanta Falcons, number one. You've just got to slide your one down, and where I think we're on par. I think we have the same. I have the Falcons four, Saints, <laughs> Saints three, Panthers two, and Bucks one. Still so that like would be Bucks. right. That that's that's you just had to switch. If we slide your Falcons down, that's the same list, right? Uh well, I had I had New Orleans, Carolina three. was two. Carolina would go from four to two. Okay. Oh, that's right. Okay. Falcons. Yeah, I got. The line, right? The names. The names on the line sound good. Mm-hmm. Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata. Yeah. Can you tell me the total age of those players combined? <laughs> They're 97 years old. Those three players are a combined age of 97, playing the most difficult snaps you can in the NFL, just going snap after snap after snap with – 350 pound guys ahead of you. I get it that they, the names popped off the paper and it kind of did the same thing. I go, wow, the Falcons retooled. The Falcons did a lot. They are old. They're aging. There's a reason that they were able to sign them. AJ Terrell in the secondary, we want to go beyond this. They, they don't have a linebacker beyond Bud Dupree, who is a pass rusher. So you, you add Bud Dupree. I really Correct. think he is pretty much a pure pass rusher. Yes. They don't have a linebacker to stand on outside of that. And then their secondary, they bring in Jesse Bates, fantastic safety. AJ Terrell was one of the better corners in 21, but had a really bad year last year. Yep. And then they've got Jeff Kuda, who the Lions had to pay the Falcons to take, and Mike Hughes, who's another just unproven secondary player. Oh, he's a good nickel corner. He played well for Detroit last year. But I, I can yeah, I can two of the two of the Detroit corners. Is what you're going to make a case for, Mike Hughes and Jeff Akuda, who they clearly cleaned out closet to get rid of. You know, you know, I and I listen that I I hear you. 
I, I could definitely say that the Saints are definitely in a better position corner-wise. Um, I love the Saints' defensive uh, players – or defensive secondary, excuse me. Yes. I think I could probably – this sucks. Like, I, I look at the Falcons and I'm like, yes, like there are solid players there and I get they're older and aging and all the rest of it. But I look at all the other D lines, and you know, I'm not so sure about Cam Jordan anymore. Talk about old. Um, I know they brought over some dudes um, from different places in free agency, but they're not, you know, all star talents like like uh, Nathan Shepard or uh, Kalen Saunders. Pretty good, but like you know, it's it's nothing to sneeze at there. Um, you know, and again, a lot of the secondary in New Orleans is also really old. Marcus May, Tyron Matthew is just, I get it. He's a good defensive leader, but is he the same player that he was? I don't know. I think Ty, I think Matthew's still a very good safety. And Lattimore is in the same spot as Terrell, where in 21, they were both, I want to say, that's a two, of, two, of the, two of the top five corners. And now in the last year, they both had down years. I, I want to bring up the Panthers. So you sure. have the Panthers at four. Which I hate. I hate that I did that. I, I, I don't think that's like it. a little bit nuts to me. Like, so hey, you're, you're I mean, you're agreeing with me that your list is bad. So that's fine. My list is bad, <laughs> but it's what I came up with. I, <laughs> Brian Burns. I don't know how I got here, but Brian Burns would see as an elite edge rusher, right? I mean I, I would say Brian Burns is on the edge of elite. I would say he's right there. He's about to be there. Um, Derek Brown had a, had a breakout year last year for them. He scored as the, the seventh highest interior lineman on PFF after scoring, you know, n- never getting above a 60 he scored like an 84 or an 85 last year on PFF grade. Their secondary is, is young, young but they've invested in it heavily. And I, 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 JC Horn, I have a lot of faith in, I think. And they've, I just think that under the new coaching scheme that this secondary has the talent and the ability to play better than they have in previous seasons so far, or, you know, some of them haven't played yet because they did draft some rookies this year. But I just think the Panthers, uh, as, as their front seven is, is, is a little bit better. I don't know. I, I just, I can't see them at four in this division. Do they have it, do, who on the front seven? He's a Derek Brown and Brian Burns. Anybody else there that jumps off the page yet? You go. You, you like your guy Gross Matos? Is that is that who it is? I, I'm... <laughs> Gross Matos is great, just as for you know his name. Um, Frankie Luvu had a, had a good year at linebacker last year as well. Pretty good. Uh, he had he had a okay. decent year as a middle linebacker, and I think again. Uh, and then you have Shaq Thompson. So I think that linebacking core. It, it's hard to say because you have Levante David and, and Demario Davis on those other teams, so they have an elite elite guy on that. But I think as a, as a whole you know, three or four linebacker set, like that's pretty good. In the this best, division. the best, the best linebacking core in this division is clearly Tampa. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you do have, you have Levante David and um, Devin White Devin. And, and Shaq Barrett is there now. And like, they've got some, they've got some guys. So and tell me, so tell me why you're so down on the bucks as well. Why you don't have the bucks at one. Well, you know, that was another thing. It was like the bucks, the bucks and the Falcons to me were like neck and neck. Like I, I, in terms of players that I like, you know, with the Bucks, again, they've lost some players here, uh, especially in the secondary. 
uh, that have, you know, were big parts of those Super Bowl runs. And I, I get it. Like, we know these guys, but I feel like we know these guys because Tom Brady made us know these guys. You know, like, I'm not so certain. And again, they might be better just because their their coach is a really good defensive coach. But I'm not so certain individually they're all that and all time. I'm not sure Jamel Dean is that great of a corner. I'm not sure Carlton Davis is that great of a corner. I think he's I think he's decent, but I'm just not there with them. And then they're just super young on the D line, like super super young. Well, Joe Tryon, uh, you know, was a first round pick, and Vita Vea was a first round pick, and Cansey, the kid they drafted this year, is a first round pick. They're relying on a lot of that youth. Yaya Diaby, I think, is going to be a great rookie. I, he's a long kid from Louisville. I think he's really, really interesting player. Like, but they're all rookies and second year and third year players, and none of them have gotten to, you know, that status where we fear them. Maybe Vita Vea has. I would, I would argue him. He's probably the best, no, one of the better nose tackles. But he's a nose tackle. I mean, I, I, you know, he can only do so much in terms of pass rush. He does collapse the pocket a lot. I just, I, I think when I look at them. I, I just see guys that are inexperienced and not quite there yet. Whereas I look at the Falcons and I say, okay, maybe they're old. These are crafty veterans that have been around for a long time that know what they're doing. And there's a reason why they're here. Um, yes, they're old, but it's not like they're stupid, you know? And I think with their defense and their defensive coaching now that they brought in, I think they could, I think they could go places. So that's where I'm at with the Falcons. I like, like, I don't, I'm trying to explain it in a way that you can understand. I don't like putting the Falcons at number one because I like a lot, a lot, a lot of other players. But when you add up the totality of this defense, I think they are the best defense. One last point that we got to move on from the defense because we spent a lot of time yes. on on what are really bad defenses for the most part. Bad defenses. Uh, I don't know the Bucks. You you already gave them credit for being the best linebacking core, and you said that far and away, and I, I do agree with you. Their their secondary. It, it, it looks to me, I thought they have four starters returning for the secondary. The only person they lost was Sean Murphy Bunting. I mean, all this, all these other players were all here last year. And Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, you know. Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean. So, I don't know. And I get that Vita Vea and Shaq Thompson, or uh, Shaq Barrett, did have their lowest PFF grades of their career last year. So, they did have down years, but they were battling a lot of injuries. So, I don't know. I, I think that that Bucks unit is still really solid, and I think I mean yeah. clearly they're going to have to live on uh, on running the ball and playing some good defense because I don't know what else they got going. So I I hope I'm because I just I I'm I don't know why I'm starting to get Falcons weird Falcons fever yeah that I don't like at all. I'd be so. very curious to see how the Falcons D line hand holds up through a full season. That's I an agree. old unit. I agree. And that none of these teams have any depth of the D line. That's the thing. Now, now, this is the grouping that I said you could put them one through four, four through one, three, two, one, four. I don't care. The coaching. I couldn't lean one way or the other in this coaching category. Brutal. So I'm just going to go. I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if we're going to have any arguments here. Number four, I have the Falcons. Number three, the Bucks. Number two, the Panthers. And number one, the Saints. And that's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs>
Same list? Same list. Same list. I mean, there's okay. no argument All right. for me. I, All I, right. I, I, I guess I guess we end up finding our same way because it, it felt like it just felt like kind of where you like again, you're so much better with the coordinators. None of these coordinator names jumped off the page to me. Like I could have, you know, I would have had to do some research. I, I really didn't recognize outside of Joe Woods. Uh, in there a long time, you know. Yeah, obviously, like anybody on the Saints, I recognize because they've all just been there, and that's kind of I think why we probably both put them number one. They are just a collective Sean Payton. It feels like yes. you know, like you add them all three of them up, they've all been there for forever. They're just Sean Payton all in one. Uh, you know, as three guys. Yeah, they're three guys right there. I mean, Joe Woods, I believe, was DC in Cleveland, but he's been in the league forever. I mean, forever. Um, obviously Pete Carmichael was with Sean Payton for a long, long time. Uh, and then Dennis Allen, people really have a hard time against Dennis Allen coach defenses. They really do. He's a very difficult coach to coach against. So I, I would feel really confident as a Saints fan having him, you know, back there, even though they have also lost a lot of pieces, uh, especially on the D line. But I, that's where I came with the Saints, the experience, the camaraderie this this uh coaching staff has known each other for a long time with carolina obviously frank reich we like him as a play caller we think he can do a lot of things your boy uh evero was like uh survived 2022 broncos fever he, he survived the ride uh and you know ended up on his feet and now is i thought he did a good job until the broncos tried to kind of trading everybody away you know i mean I thought he was a very good DC. So that's where I came in there. And then Tampa um, Bowles versus Arthur Smith, pretty much because all the other guys are very inexperienced coordinators. Um, you know, some guys have been passing coordinators and defensive backs, coaches and stuff like that, but uh, very minimal defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator experience. So um, that's where I went Bowles over Arthur Smith because Arthur Smith hasn't proven anything yet. He hasn't done anything in this league and he gets a ton of credit for getting Ryan Tannehill to the AFC championship game. But now he's trying to recreate Ryan Tannehill with Desmond Ritter. I'm not sure why we're trying to recreate Ryan Tannehill. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. He, I don't know. He, he, and he feels like he's just trying to play. Like, I don't want, like it's a simplified level of football. Right? So they're like, they're run the ball, run the ball, play defense. Like you're not a sexy passing offense at all. They don't do anything like ultra creative to get you super inspired to like, you know, be like, they're going to make some moves and some splashes. Like he's just kind of straightforward football. He's the kind of coach that will get you from bad to good, but will yes. never win you anything. I think that's know? a great way to describe him. Uh, I, I think that's how he is. Like this, that style of play, the running game with the defense could win this division, but it will never win them a Super Bowl. It may not even win them a playoff game. Be honest. Speaking of that, real quick, uh, I want to go through it's now that we've got through everything. Division sure. winner uh, on the show. I want to readdress this one. So top to bottom, Saints are the favorite at plus 120. Falcons, second at plus 215. Panthers, plus 400. And the Bucks at plus 800. I think me and you are honing on a one team and one team only. A lot of excitement against uh, about the Cats. I got to be back on the Cats this year because I love them. There is just so much excitement around them. I just look at, again, like they've already had a pretty decent defense. We like what they're, they built for this offense for Bryce to step into with Frank Wright calling the plays. Like so much possibility and excitement around the Panthers for real. 
what I am getting nervous about is I'm trying to figure out a way. I'm like, you know, as I went through this, I'm like, am I a Falcons guy? Am I a Falcons guy? And then in the back of your head, you just hear Desmond Ritter. That's the <laughs> Desmond Ritter. Don't do it. You love Bryce Young? Go with Bryce Young. Desmond Ritter. Quarterback is still the most important position in the NFL. So if yes. you got to pick between the two, bet on the bet on the young cat. I'm all in. Unintended. Yeah, I, yeah, no, because you know we talked about. I mean, youth uh, in the wide receiver core, along with like guys like Adam Thielen, um, and and a lot of like good athletes. Um, you bring in Miles Sanders. You have these young defense that is so unproven, but they're just a bunch of good players that can so easily ascend. Like. We just talked about Burns. Burns is on the edge of being elite. Like he's he had a lot of sacks last year. Uh, I, I won't give up on JC Horn. I won't give up on JC Horn either. I just think he's going to be too. so good. Like Jeremy Chin uh, in the safety position, he reminds me so much of Kyle Duggar, yes. where he's like a guy that's like he could play the box, he could play nickel, he could cover tight ends, he could do a lot of things, and he's and he's on the precipice of being a really a good player. But he's just good right now. He's not quite at the top level of safety. And I think he's that's a perfect comp for both of those players. So I love the Panthers. I do. And I think they could be really, really special if our boy Bryce comes through. Uh, Lewis, you got a narrative for this stupid division? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hopefully a team comes out uh, over 500. Um Narrative, narrative, narrative for the NFC South. Uh, let me ask you this before I even answer. Is B. John Robinson a top, like, second-round pick in fantasy this year? He's a first-round Yes, yeah, end He's of the, the first, first early second. End, end of the first, early second. I really think so. I think so, too. Uh, that was going to be my narrative. I was going to say B. John Robinson's going to run all over this division. Uh, I was just curious where we where like exactly where. So Matt says end of the first, start of the second. Yeah, right around there. Yeah, about I'd go 1.08, 1.09, something like that. Ooh, Ooh all right. All right. Would you take listeners. yeah? Would you take Bijan Robinson or Nick Chubb? Ew. That's tough. That's the tough fact day. that that's tough for yeah. Nick Chubb, who we say is one of the best pure running backs in this league, shows yeah. you where he's at. Yeah, because he catches the ball and he's going to have a super high volume. I know that, that's, that's the reason hard. I that's the reason I said it. That was going to be he's going to run all over the. I, I think he has all the potential to be a top five back slash fantasy player. You know, outside of the quarterback position because they score so much more, but a top five back in fantasy this year for sure. You, Name, you take him over wherever Dalvin Cook lands. Is that going to be a... so hard to tell? So hard to tell. I, know. I probably um, would, though. I probably would because I think he's on a downturn in his career. I think he's okay. getting old. All right. That and the fact that he's probably going to end up in either New York or New England. Me in a timeshare. He's going to end up in a timeshare. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I, I mean, if you look at the two running backs that are the top running backs right now, Eckler and McCaffrey, he's pretty comparable to those two players. Like, he really is, I would say. In terms of the pass catching and the running ability – there's not too many players you can name outside of those two players that have his style. So, so him or Derrick Henry? Still Derrick Henry. I I, I was gonna say I was okay. gonna put. All right, okay, okay. McCaffrey, Eckler, Henry, 
Barkley. Yep. Yep. Maybe Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's okay, so I'm just like trying to roll through, but like that's starting to feel like when so, you're gonna probably start thinking about Bijan Robinson. You know, I'm trying top, to think five. around, but if you got that one five, one six, you start thinking about it. You, you do have, you have to worry, obviously, because we do like the other two backs in their thing. So we, we could easily see him losing some touches to them if they don't want to like give him the full workload. He's not like Najee Harris when he stepped in and they had absolutely nobody in that running right. besides Benny Snell. Like, so they, he got all the carries, like, like just quarter pass and go back to wide receiver now. Like where, where do we put him in? Like, so I could see him losing touches to other guys in the room, but. And, and okay. Lou, I would also say this, you got to think about, you know, Justin Jefferson's going in the first round, you know, Tyree Hill is going in the first round. Travis Kelsey right. might go in the first round. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase might go. Cooper Cup might go. I mean, there could be a first. really good spot for B. John Robinson at the end of the first, early second. You could end up with a really good value pick. We're giving away a little fantasy, uh, little some of our tricks of the trade here. So we're only, we're only like three or four weeks away from the fantasy extravagance. Oh, Ooh. That's coming up quick. That's coming Let's up go quick. do a mock draft after this. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. For Matty Ice, Matty C. Matt Silverth, and for our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Pericone, I'm Dan Zampano. We'll see you in a couple weeks because we'll take a week off. And uh, it's wedding season, so that'll be a lot of fun. Danny's and, uh, getting married. Yeah. How about that, huh? I mean, so we'll take a week off just to, you know, take some weeks off. And then we'll get back to it, and we'll come back with the AFC West and the NFC West, and we'll sh- we'll shoot on down. It's, it'll be August very very soon and that means football that means putting on the pads hitting banging around god i love it it's so much fun we'll see you next week on the sunday card the sunday card podcast is co-hosted and directed by dan zampano co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.